God's good. The title of the message is, The Kingdom is Here. Last Christmas, we talked about the king is here, right? Jesus came into the world to be a king, really. I mean, he, I agree that we know that he came here to save us. But look at how he came. Look at, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. You'll, see, you'll learn something very powerful today about where you are in the timeline of God's plan for the earth. Very, very important why Christmas is so important. Look at what, when Jesus was born, what was, the, what was the response of the world? Look at this verse, Matthew chapter 2. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Look at that concept. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king. That means he is born while another king is in reigning on the earth. Look at the concept. Look at the setting that God has planned for his son to come. He is coming when another king is ruling on the earth. That's how the whole chapter starts. That's how the beginning of the story of Jesus is. So when the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and the wise men from the east are not Jews. These are people who look at the stars and they read the future through the stars. Not astrology. These was like the story of the gospel is written in the stars. If you know that you, the, there are, in every culture there are 12 constellations, right? The 12 major constellations. Starts with Virgo, ends in Leo. It's the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ that God is going to send his son through a virgin, Virgo, and he will reign finally as the lion of Judah all, all over the earth. It is there in every culture. Every culture knows about the story in the stars about a, somebody born of a virgin who is going to crush Satan, crush a demon, crush the strong man in the world, and finally he will reign as a lion forever. They know in every culture the story is there, but they don't know who this person is, who this man is who is going to be born of a virgin. So, so then Satan came and started corrupting these stories in the stars and started putting stuff to corrupt the meaning so that men would not look at stars and see the savior, men will look at stars and see themselves. You see that? Oh, under which sign were you born? Right? So the focus is on you. But the stars are not about you. The stars are about a man who would be born of a virgin and going to reign as a king forever. Correct? So the Magi in Babylon, they used to follow these stars. So they came to the east. They came to Jerusalem because during this time, there was a conjunction in Jupiter, Venus, in the constellation of uh, Leo, which pointed that there is a king, that is an unusual king that is born in the world. If you ever see the story of the Star of Bethlehem, the documentary, it's there on YouTube. You can check that. This conjunction was very clear. It lasted for almost one year. Then the star joined back and again came back after two, two and a half years. So this, the star retraced back. That's whole story about this conjunction that happened with Jupiter in Leo. Amazing story. Amazing story. But bottom line, they knew that a king was born. And they also knew where the king was going to be born. This famous king is going to be born in in Israel, because that was, a, that was a sign that it was going to be born in uh, Israel. So they came to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was the capital of Israel at that point of time. So they naturally said, a king is going to be born, a king is going to be born in Jerusalem, right? So they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? It was not a question. See, they never came and asked, 
did a king born did a king or or did a was a king born here look at the question what is your question where it was not a matter of whether a king was born they knew for sure a king was born this was a major event because this king was a king of the world they are like who where is this king born where is it we know it is in israel tell us where tell us where never if the story is all about the king has been born look at the response look at the next verse for we have seen his star we have seen it you cannot deny it we have seen the star in the east and have come to worship him so obviously it's not a king in the sense of a earthly king we know it's a divine king who's who is going to take ownership of this earth see the earth was under a different ruler herod was just a type of satan ruling over the earth for thousands of years you will hear you will understand something today very very powerful jesus was born a king he's not born as a savior he died as a king remember what they put over the cross king of the jews he died under the accusation that he was a king see if he died as an accusation that he was the savior of the jews there was no roman law that would accuse him you cannot kill a man just because he's a savior you have to kill a man because he is a king and caesar is our king so if you have another king in the land you are committing treason and under the roman law there is no king but caesar you got it therefore he died under that banner accusation that he is the king you got it so it is so critical that you know that he came as a king he died as a king yes. now this is so huge if you get this implication you'll understand how satan has hidden this fact from the world that his rule has ended <laughs> his rule is over ladies and gentlemen his rule ended 2000 years back it's over for 2000 years he is fooling the people thinking that he is still on the throne his rule is over see that's a picture of king saul on the throne when david was anointed david was anointed as king but king saul was still ruling in jerusalem got it but who was anointed as king david so that's a picture David so King Saul is troubled he he cannot he, he does not what to do because David is anointed king but he is holding on to his throne but he cannot he's trying to kill David he's going after it his throne cannot sustain so satan is in this position right now his throne has fallen but to the world he gives an impression that he is still on the throne got it now listen to this let's look at the next verse when verse 3 very critical when herod the king heard what happened to him he was troubled and all jerusalem with him why is herod troubled why is herod troubled because his kingdom is ended see jesus did not was born very very interesting every king who is born in this world is born as a every king that is born in this world is born as a prince there is no man who is ever born in this world who is born as a king, king. never happens sorry 
It's exciting. <laughs> there is no man who is born as a king. Jesus was born as a king. So the moment he was born as a king, what happens to the existing king? His throne is over because a king, there cannot be two kings in the land. You cannot have two. Have you ever heard of two kings? You can have multiple ministers. You can have many vice presidents, but you cannot have. They can only have one president. There is only one, one king. So Jesus was born a king. So he was troubled. He was troubled. No, very, very interesting. This is what the Lord showed me. And he showed me through. Let's go to. Let's go to. Okay. Okay. Just let's stay in Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at verse, verse 3. So they, when they all gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was going to be born. Christ means the Messiah was going to be born. Messiah is going to be the king of the world. So they said to him, Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? Are you not the least? Out of you shall come a ruler. See? The prophecy about the king is what? He is going to be a ruler. That is why. Who ruled the earth till Jesus came? Satan. Remember Jesus said the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. You got it? You saw the picture? Okay. Then he also told when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he said the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world, convict you of righteousness of sin and judgment. And then he clarifies it. Of you of righteousness, of the world of sin and, and judgment, the ruler of the world is judged. Look at the word that he used. What did he use? The ruler of the world is judged. So when Jesus, the prophecy about Jesus is out of Bethlehem will come a king or what was the prophecy? Out of Bethlehem will come what? A ruler. See, Jesus came to change rulership over the world. So he was born to as a ruler who has come into the world. So Jesus, when he was alive, he knew Satan is after him. He said, the ruler of the world is coming, but he has nothing in me. That means he cannot accuse me of anything. And then he says, the ruler of the world is judged because he has to destroy Satan by, by the law, by death itself. He cannot destroy Satan just by weapons. He cannot do that. Very interesting. Okay. Let me ask you a very, very, very interesting question. Let's go to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 7, verse 48. And you'll have to run fast with me. Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Now, this is Stephen talking to Israel before he's getting stoned. And this he says... Acts chapter 7 verse 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Okay. Heaven is God's throne. What's, uh, what's his footstool? Uh, earth. Okay. Let me ask you the question again. Heaven is his? What is his footstool? earth. Why would you create man in the place of its footstool? You would create man in the place of his 
throne because he's the son of God, isn't it? Isn't it? Why would you create man when he created man in the place of his footstool? Okay, are you ready? Why did he not create us in heaven? Why did he create us on the earth? Why in the place of his footstool? Very interesting. You want to to know the answer? Okay, let's go to Psalms chapter 110. Psalms chapter 110. Let's go to Psalms chapter 110. Okay. Look at this verse. This Jesus quoted about himself when he, when he talked about the, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were talking about the scriptures. He said, he asked them a question. How is it in your scriptures it said, the Lord said to my Lord, if David is talking about himself, because David was not a Lord, because the Pharisees and the Jews still today will say that this refers to David as talking about him, because David wrote this psalm. So, but he said, how can David say, the Lord said to my Lord? Obviously, David is not a Lord. So what is he talking about? Okay, this is talking about Jesus, right? Jesus as God talking to Father God, talking to God, uh, God the Son, right? Now look at this. The Lord said to my Lord, the Father God is now speaking to Jesus, saying what? Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So guess where are God's enemies? On the earth, on his footstool, correct? Are you agreed? Right? So now we know that where his footstool is, is where his enemies are. Correct? Okay, read further. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. He's talking about Jesus. Where? Rule in the midst of your enemies. What is God's plan about his footstool? He is going to send Jesus to the footstool to rule in the midst of the enemies. Correct? You got it? So God wants to destroy his enemies on the earth. He's not going to destroy his enemies in heaven. He's going to destroy his enemies on the earth. Remember when Satan fell, he fell from heaven, he was sent where? To the earth. So, but at the earth, he has to destroy him. But he has to do it legitimately. He cannot just destroy him just because he broke a commandment. No, because he has to destroy him legally without destroying his own creation. Correct? Because if he destroys Satan, he also has to destroy all of his creation because all of his creation sinned. So he, he cannot just destroy his house. So it's like if, if, you're, if, if somebody's son or a daughter is held hostage in a house, and the cops tell you, hey, the, that guy is holding you hostage. Do you tell the cop, go ahead and just destroy the house? Do you say that? To release my son? No, what do you say? He said, but dis- destroy the house. He said, I, he said I can't. If, you, if I destroy the house, your son is going to get destroyed. So first he has to get the son out, then he can destroy the house. Got it? So God had to legitimately destroy Satan. So what he says, next one. Verse 3, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Who are the volunteers to execute judgment on the earth for God? Your saints. You and I, God created man on the earth to take dominion over whom? On Satan. 
Do you realize that God created earth, man, on his footstool to take rule in the midst of his enemies? That is why Psalms 23 says, Lord, you prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. Why? Because you rule right now. Your kingdom has come, brothers and sisters. Your kingdom has already come. You, who is Satan most afraid of in the world right now? You, you are volunteers executing judgment on behalf of God on his kingdom. You are volunteers in the day of his power. When did God's day of power start? On the resurrection, when Jesus resurrected, he said, Behold, I give you the authority. He didn't say, I give you authority. He said, I give you the authority. What is the authority? The authority is the authority that was lost on the earth. He said, I am going to give it to you back and you be my volunteer and execute judgment right, left and center on the earth. I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you have authority right now on the earth. You, you execute authority on the basis of the risen king, but you are here ruling in the midst of our enemies. Satan cannot touch you, but you have authority over him. Do you believe it? The kingdom has come. See, the kingdom is not going to come. Your kingdom has come. How, how does a kingdom come? Well, when a king changes, the kingdom changes. King changed. King has changed. That is why when you see Jesus seated at the right hand of God, is he sitting on a throne or is he sitting on a chair? He's sitting on a throne. What does that say? That says that the kingdom is changed. The moment you see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, you're saying that there's a new kingdom on the earth and who executes power on basis of that kingdom here on the earth? We. How do we know that? Look at what it says. You are people, your people, he's talking about you, say I, I am a volunteer in the day of his power. What are you volunteering for? What are you volunteering? You are executing judgment on the earth. See, the dead in Christ cannot, has no authority on the earth. The dead in Christ, where are they? When you die, where do you go? Heaven. You go to be with Jesus Christ. It's not heaven, it's go to be in Christ. Are you right now seated in heavenly places? Right? You are kings and priests forever, correct? Agreed? Right. So, when you are in Christ Jesus, do you have authority on the earth? When you are, when you are, when you are, when you are left earth, when you are dead in Christ, do you have authority on the earth? No. Who has authority on the earth? The ones who remain. So, you and God needs volunteers on the earth to execute judgment and destroy his enemies in his name. You see the power that God has given you? You are volunteers in the day of his power. The king is resurrected. Amen? But you are his volunteers in the day of his power. You execute. So you, the last people who should be afraid of Satan is who? You. I mean, you he is afraid of you. He is scampering from you. Because you know that the king reigns. He cannot touch you. Okay, look at what he says. In the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning, you are the dew for youth. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is young forever. 
The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That means God is saying that this high priest, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, does not, no, does not die. See, say, you have the youth forever. Jesus is young. What is his age in heaven right now? 33. <laughs> He's at the peak of his age. He's never going to get old. How old is his, how old is his father? Same age. Means they don't have age. You know what I mean? But they look as if they are 33. Forever. How old will this high priest continue to be in office? Forever. Why? Jesus never dies. He's young. That's why he says, you have the dew of your youth. He's talking about Jesus. Because this is the father talking to the son. The father is telling the son, guess what? I promise you, Jesus Oh, I don't know whether Father calls Jesus Jesus, you know? I mean, if I call him, I don't, I mean, I think they all call each other the same name that he's given it to us. He says, Yeshua, you will be young forever. For whose sake? For your people's sake. You are volunteers in the day of his power. Amen? And then what he says, verse 5, the Lord is at your right hand. Again, he's reminding you who is on the throne. Jesus, he will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He'll fill the places with dead bodies. He'll execute the heads of many countries. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus. And he shall drink by the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. He said, Jesus, when he comes back to judge the world, he'll be so busy executing judgment. He won't have time to go to a room and drink water. He will drink water on the wayside. That means he's so busy destroying kings that he will not rest. Remember the picture of where Gideon had told the soldiers and he divided the soldiers saying one will drink water without looking up while one will look, drink water by licking. It's a picture of Jesus. He says, separate the ones who will not look up. He says, Jesus is going to be so diligent in destroying the enemies in the world and he's coming, he's going to come very soon, brothers and sisters. The coming of the Lord is very soon. But when he comes, he will destroy the physical enemies once forever. But the spiritual enemies, the demons and the powers, you have authority. God is not going to do that because he's already executed, he's done. So, but he's going to use you as volunteers on the day of his power. Amen? Okay, now let's see how he gave that, uh, how the disciples use this uh, authority. Let's go to, let's go to Luke chapter... 10. Let's read that quickly. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Verses. Remember Jesus sent the 70 out everywhere. He said, the harvest truly is great. The laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers or volunteers into the Harvest. See, God needs you in the harvest to execute judgment and take authority and bring the people in. See, angels cannot do this. Oh, this is so beautiful. Under the old covenant, angels executed judgments. You notice that? Under the old covenant, they were always afraid of angels. Why? Angels were executing God's law. God gave the law not himself. He gave the law through angels. How do we know that? Acts chapter 7, the same chapter that we studied of Stephen. He said God gave them the law through angels. 
and God executed judgment on the people through angels. Remember, he told the uh, Israelites, my angel will go before you and destroy. Correct? See, his angel passing over the night in Egypt and destroying. Remember? See the word he kept using? The angel will pass. The angel will pass. Because in the old covenant, angels executed judgment. My question is, in the new covenant, why doesn't he use angels? No. Angels have no authority under the new covenant. The new covenant is not meant for angels. The new covenant is only meant for sons of God. So we have authority. That is why every time the gospel has to be preached, God would say, send, go send to Peter. He has words by which you will be saved. When he had to get Paul saved, he told the A, uh, uh, to uh, uh, Ananias, go to P uh, Paul and share the gospel. Why can't he send angels? Because under the new covenant, angels have no authority. In fact, the Bible says angels diligently wish to look into the salvation and see what it is. They have no idea what's going on because they don't understand how God can forgive. Because under the law, there is no forgiveness. Do you know that under the law, there's no forgiveness? There is no forgiveness under the law. So God's angels know this. Who is Satan? An angel. So he always executes what? The law. Now let's go to Psalms chapter 96. Man, I'm so excited. You will see something very powerful. Why Christmas is important. This is a change in the kingdoms have happened. Psalms chapter 96. 94. Let's go to 94. Okay, Psalms chapter 94. Can you read that? Psalms chapter 94. You got it? Okay, let's read this. So here is the psalmist saying, Lord, how long, how long will you not judge the wicked? How long will you not judge the wicked? And God is answering. He said, relax, guys, wait. I will judge the wicked, but I have to do it righteously. I cannot destroy the house and then destroy you. Got it? So look at verse this. Look at verse... Uh, verse... 13, verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law that you may give him rest from the days of your adversity until when the pit is dug for the wicked. See, God was preparing a pit for the wicked. But in the meantime, he's telling guys, relax. Just trust the animal sacrifices. Just trust them. Because under the law, what was allowed? Animal sacrifice. So it says, while you continue to sacrifice animals, I am preparing what? A pit for whom? For the wicked, for Satan. So what is the pit that he's preparing? What is the pit that he's preparing? He's preparing Jesus. But how is he preparing the pit? He's preparing a perfect man who will keep the law perfectly. And when Satan accuses him, he violates God's law. Because God's law says you cannot punish the innocent. That's God's strategy. God's strategy is I am going to send a perfect man in the midst. He will not know who this perfect man is. He will think all man is sinful. And he will tempt this perfect man. But this perfect man will pass all tests. And, and he out of his envy will destroy him. But the moment he destroys him, he is going to get? He's going to break a law. 
The law says the righteous shall not be killed. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Satan didn't know this. It was a trick. It was a trick, but it was a legit trick. God, Satan couldn't say that, God, you cannot do this thing. He cannot. He sent a perfect man. So he tested him. He found him perfect. But even after finding him perfect, Satan crucified him. But he didn't know what happened. Lamentations, the last chapter of Lamentations. Oh my goodness. You should see the last chapter of Lamentations. Do you want to read that? Lamentations. I don't think guys have read Lamentations at all. But go to read the last chapter of Lamentations. All of Lamentations is, God, what are you doing to this? God, what are you doing? But in the chapter of Lamentations, this beautiful picture of God's strategy is hidden. Let's read the last chapter of Lamentations. Okay, where is Lamentations? <laughs> After Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Okay, he wrote it. Let's look at Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 5. Okay, the, la, the fourth chapter, not the last chapter, fourth chapter. Okay, read this. Everybody got Lamentations chapter 4? You got it? Okay, read verse 19. Our pursuers, he's talking about Israel is complaining. Our pursuers, that means Satan and all his kingdom, are swifter than the eagles of the heavens. He comes to execute judgment on you every time. You sin, he comes to execute judgment on you. He's swifter, right? He's swifter than the eagles of the heavens. They pursued us on the mountains and lay in wait for us in the wilderness. He's always hunting you down. In the world, Satan is always hunting his prey. Amen? Okay? Look at what happened. Verse 20. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was caught in their pits. Oh my goodness. What happened was, the breath of our anointed. Anointed means Christ. The breath of Christ was caught in their, in their pits. What happened? When Jesus was caught in their pits, see, what happened was, <laughs> this is so funny. When hunters lay a trap in the wilderness, in the forest, they don't want to capture what? No, they want to capture animals. But what do they don't want to capture? A lion! <laughs> so, when they made these traps, guess who got trapped in their midst? The lion of Judah got trapped. So, now they have a problem. They don't know what to do with this lion because this lion is going to now destroy them so the anointed of the Lord was caught in their pits of whom we said under his shadow we live under the nations remember Psalms 91 under his shadow we shall dwell he's talking about the Messiah but his, his breath was caught that means he was killed in their pits the moment he was killed guess the next verse says what rejoice and be glad O daughter of Edom which is Satan you who dwell in the land of Uz, the cup shall also pass to you. <laughs> so now God can legitimately condemn Satan. Because he says, now you, you killed Jesus, guess what? Now I can kill you. Because I, I always wanted to kill you. But the only reason I did not kill you is because I, if I kill you, I have to kill all your people under you. But because now Jesus has paid the price for all the people, now the cup will pass to you. Look at what the next verse says. And you shall become drunk and make the punishment of your iniquities. Now he's telling the believers. The punishment of your iniquity is accomplished. 
He shall no longer send you into captivity. He will, but he's telling Edom, he will punish your iniquity. You see the beauty of the Lord? The plan of God was, let's go to Luke chapter 10, and we'll close with this because we don't have time to continue the whole thing. But this is powerful. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Volunteers in the day of your power. So Luke chapter 10. Are you there? Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. He said, and he appoints 70 others and sends them to execute judgment on the earth right now. He's sending them to the kingdom. And he says what? The harvest truly is great. Our laborers of you. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into. Go your way. And he says, carry neither money bag and all that. We study that. Okay. Then he says, if a city welcomes you, look at verse 8, which, whichever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they are said before you, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Means he's saying what? What are they preaching when they are going out? The kingdom of God is here. Who is the king? Jesus. His kingdom is here, so you don't have to worry about Satan and his kingdom. So are you now afraid of Satan and his kingdom? No. But where is Jesus' kingdom right now? He's here on the earth. That's why Jesus said before he died, he said, how do you pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Agreed? And at the end he said, lead us not into testings. Means don't lead us into testings because testings means I'm trying to keep the law. Don't lead us into the law. For thine is the kingdom. That means if you are ruling on the world, you will be kept away from Satan, deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom. So delivering from evil is connected to what? Who having the kingdom? Satan having the kingdom or Jesus having the kingdom? For, de deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom. Now repeat after me. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom. So today as believers, deliver us from evil. Why? Because it is not his kingdom. Thine is the kingdom, Lord. How can Satan touch us? Because we are in your kingdom. He has no jurisdiction over you. Does, let me ask you, Manor. Does Saudi Arabia's laws apply to you? No. What about George? Come on, man. Tell the truth. <laughs> not anymore, right? Thomas, what about any other country's laws apply to you right now? No. India's laws, I know there are some people whose India's laws still apply to you, okay. But, but you are under whose jurisdiction right now here in the United States? You are part of this kingdom, but are you on the earth? Yes, but your king is not the king of Saudi Arabia. You got it? For deliver us from evil means deliver us from Satan because yours is the kingdom. We are not part of this kingdom, got it? Okay, so the city that receives him, Jesus says, what is the message you should bring? The kingdom has come near you. That means if you receive the message of the gospel, the kingdom is near yours. Okay? Now the city that does not respond to you, what should you tell them? Read it. Verse 11. Can somebody read that? The very dust of your city which speaks to us, we wipe off against you. Okay. Nevertheless know that the, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable that correct. So what is he saying to the first who receives him? He said the kingdom of God has come to you. Look at the words. To the one who receives the kingdom, he says the kingdom of God has come to you. But the one who does not receive the kingdom, he says what? The kingdom of God has come 
near you. What is the difference between to you and near you? Near you means it came near you, but you did not receive the kingdom. To you means what? You are part of the kingdom. Amen? So Jesus' ministry, the gospel is the kingdom has come to you. Kingdom has come to you. And let's close with this. Verse chapter, uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 29 and 30. Can you read that? Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 29. Luke chapter 22, verses 29 and 30. And I bestow you upon you a kingdom. kingdom. I bestow you on a kingdom. Bestow means what? I confer upon you a kingdom. This is Jesus' words. I confer upon you a kingdom. I bestow you upon your kingdom just as the Father has bestowed one upon me. Do you agree that Jesus is a king? He has a kingdom. Jesus says, I am giving you a kingdom also. Okay, let's look at the next verse. That, that may you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So what is our responsibility right now? To eat and drink where? At the Lord's table in his kingdom. That is why Psalms 23 says what? Behold, you prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. Why do you... Okay, if this table was supposed to be prepared in heaven, will this verse apply? No. Why? There's no enemies in heaven. So when he says he prepares a table in the midst of my enemies, he's referring to what Jesus has fulfilled here, that you will eat and drink at my table. Remember Mephibosheth, who was Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, who was lame in his feet, and he was afraid of David because he was a new king in the land and his his father was killed. Correct? He thought that David is going to destroy him because Satan, Saul hated David. So he was afraid and he was running away and that's how he became lame because his, his, uh, his maid dropped him. So when he came, he said, David, I am just a worst. I am shame. I am full of shame. Methibosheth means full of shame. He, his name is called full of shame. But David said, bring him into my ta- table. He will sit at my table for how long? For all his days and all King Saul's household will serve him. Why is he called lame in his feet? You know, it's a prophetic picture. Believers have nothing to contribute to being at the table of the Lord. You don't have anything to walk in. Who walks for you? Who did the work? Jesus. You don't even have strength enough to sit at the table. He took you up and put you at his table for how long? forever and what are you doing at this table you're ruling and reigning and executing judgments on the princes of this world now let's go back to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 look at verse Luke chapter 10 go back to Luke chapter 10 so look at what the volunteers uh, uh, disciples the volunteers came uh, who were executing power. And Luke was 17. And the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now we know they were executing judgment or demons. Correct? 
Then Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is he showing that a picture of? What's happened in heaven? His throne is changed. Satan's throne has been overthrown as the volunteers of his power are executing judgment on the earth. His throne is being overthrown. As these 70 are preaching in all the towns in Judea and Jerusalem and in Israel saying what? The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. What's happening to Satan's throne? He's falling. In every domain, he's falling. He's falling in Judea. He's falling in Decapolis. He's falling in... So it's like a, a sound is going, Hare Babylon, me tumara... You know, I have fallen into Hindi. But it's like, your, your king, your king has, the kingdom has fallen in Washington, D.C. You know when election results roll in, Alabama, Alabama, Alabama has gone for the Republicans. Amen? Or, or you say, Florida, Florida has fallen. Oh, then you say, Atlanta, no, Atlanta doesn't fall. Texas, Texas has fallen. The moment they say, Ohio has fallen, everybody just breathes, you know, because Ohio is like a battleground. Because those principalities and powers are falling. When you preach, the kingdom of God is here. He said, I, f- I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. At every jurisdiction and every power, he's falling. And then what he says, Behold, I give you authority. See, look at the word, the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. And he defines what serpents and scorpions are. Demons, demonic powers. Over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. The kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus' kingdom is right now here. You have authority. Now, th- you might say, uh, Brother Anil, but uh, I have sickness and I have sinus and I have headache and I don't have victories in my life. Let me tell you, you have authority in this broken body more than angels can ever dream of. Even with your broken body, even with all your weakness, even with all your turmoils, when you speak in the name of Jesus... You don't know what's going on. In fact, there's Matthew chapter 13. You should read that. It's a, he who hears the word of the kingdom and understands it, he will bear much fruit. But he who does not understand it, he is say, wicked one will rob it. Why? The wicked one hates the word of the kingdom. He doesn't care for any word that you preach. But the moment you preach that a king is in the land and you preach a kingdom message, he hates you. The moment you say, in the name of Jesus, you have authority on the earth. I'm telling you, use this authority as long as we remain on the earth till Jesus comes. Because he needs what on the earth right now? What does he need? Volunteers. Volunteers. You got it. He needs volunteers in the day of his. In the day of his? No. What does that Bible say? In the day of his power. See, today he reigns in heaven in power, but he needs volunteers on the earth. When he comes again, does he need volunteers on the earth? Because who is going to do the fighting and destroying? Jesus. Remember he said he will be so busy fighting that he won't even have time to drink water? Because then he doesn't need your help. But today, he needs what? Volunteers. So will the volunteers be afraid of Satan? No. Satan is afraid of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Are you going to be a volunteer? Say yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, out of the mouth of babes, God ordains praise. The word ordain in that word in the Hebrew is commands, powers to cease. When God looks at the church, he sees babes, bachas. <laughs> but these bachas have a lot of power because when these kids open their mouth and say the name of Jesus, the biggest demon's powers have to fall. Out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained. The word praise is strength in the Hebrew. It's mistranslated. Out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained strength. Do you believe that 2019 will be a year of judgment, not on you, judgment that you judge in the world? That is why he said, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. See, you bound on earth. That means he's giving you the keys. That means you now execute judgment on the earth on behalf of Jesus. You say what you want. Like in your office, you say what you want. In your family, you say what you want. Debbie, over your kids, you say what you want. You, you ordain strength. You ordain strength. Out of the mouth of babes, you ordain strength. And you are, because the kingdom is here. And you see, that's why Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come by observation. The kingdom of God doesn't come by observation. Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. See, the world cannot see the kingdom of God. But you can, because you are born again. So they cannot see this kingdom. But you can. And you are in this kingdom. The king has come. The kingdom has come. I want you to live such a victorious life in 2019. End this year strong. But end to start this year 2019 with great strength in authority and power. And I want you to read Luke chapter 10 when you go back. And I also want you to read Matthew chapter 13. The whole chapter is about parables about the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. Father, we thank you, Lord, because now we see you, Jesus, high and exalted and seated at the Father's right hand. Because our King is right now at the right hand of God, the shout of the King is in our midst. And therefore, you don't find iniquity in us. For the scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. In your kingdom, we are declared righteous forever. And no one can judge innocent blood. We are innocent of every sin in this world, Master. So Satan and his kings have no authority over us. We attract all the good things of the Father into our lives. And Father, over our children, great favor. Lord says God is going to place your children in extremely good colleges this coming year. Colleges that you thought was never possible for you to get in. But God says, I'm going to do open doors of favor for them. And you're going to walk in. Because even though they may be lame in their feet, that they cannot walk themselves, but I am going to ride them into gates of Zion, says the Lord. And surround them with great favor. Open doors. I see open doors for your children this year. Open doors. Doors of opportunity will open up. And God says, I will do it. Because they are the descendants of the blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah.
and I say promotions coming from the north, south, east, and west for you. Hallelujah. Promotions coming because he has favored you, says the Lord. Because you have seen your king exalted, therefore your kingdom shall never suffer lack. Even when the world is going through turmoil in the next year, even they go through confusion, but your household will be safe. Your household will rule because the ruler of Zion rules in your house, says the Lord. You will be a place of Goshen and you will prosper and the glory of the Lord will rise upon you, says the Lord. And the Gentiles will be attracted towards you because the king is in your midst. Say the king king. is in our midst. And therefore we rejoice. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We receive it, Father. We enjoy it. And we eat at your table for all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.